This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Lots of likes, Dave. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into the first ever live episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who own Eric Carlson in their keeper pools. I'm your host, Elon Dubrovsky. I've got my Carlson hat, got my Carlson shirt, and I got my co-host, Brian Calm. Hey, Elon. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us on our first ever live show. I also have my two pieces of Carlson flair. I've got the shirt uh, and and the exclusive one-kind <laughs> mug that was a gift from my wife. So we're all good to go. You've got go. Carlson. I've not- got Carlson. Why don't we keep this Carlson a- the whole show? Yeah, great, great stuff. <laughs> yeah, we're not promoting this stuff, by the way. We're just excited. But I will promote, before we get started, DauberHockey.com. You know I have to do it. The best website for fantasy hockey. We're presented by Dauber Hockey. We're so happy they, they tweet out our episodes. They tweeted out this. Hopefully some of you found out about this episode through Dauber Hockey. And if that you did, then you're smart because you're following them on Twitter. You're reading their articles. You use them for starting goalies. Blind combinations, I'll be using them throughout this episode for research. So yeah, DauberHockey.com, great website. Great website, great ramblings daily. We might, tr- if this works out really well, we might actually invite some of them on to join us for the next time. It was a bit too late in the process to get them in on it this time, but we trust their opinions. We trust what they have to say. And uh, we would love if this works out well, if you guys love it, if we get great feedback, we will happily do it again. That's motivation for us. All right, so let's get the show started. Brian, I think the plan for today is that we're going to sort of go through, we have a lot of content prepared, so we'll go through that. And then when we have time at the end, we'll take some questions, which I see you guys have already asked some questions on the side. So, but I, we got to start the show by talking about Connor McDavid. Let's do some outjuries, fantasy hockey headlines, and the number one fantasy hockey headline, Connor McDavid came back. What a game, a goal and two assists against Columbus. So I don't know if 100%. No, no, I'm just kidding. Let's just get excited. Who cares? It's against Columbus. Doesn't matter who it's against. Connor McDavid had an amazing game and he brought people with him. You know, when we're thinking about the fantasy relevance, Brian, I know you've been holding Benoit Pouliot on your roster in the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League, specifically waiting for McDavid to came back. He didn't disappoint you. Goal and assist. Eberly goal and an assist. It was, it was such a great game. It was so exciting. That goal he scored, highlight real goal. But okay, now we have to move forward. There's another game tonight against the Sens. Some of our patrons are actually at the game, missing the patron cast. But I've got to ask you, Brian, we know Connor McDavid's going to be good. Obviously, if you have McDavid on your IR, 
You probably want to take him off. I can't imagine too many players in your roster that are going to do better than him. But Brian, what do you think about some of these other guys? Like Benoit Pouliot, for example, only like 1% owned in ESPN. Is now the time to grab him? Yeah, ask not what Connor McDavid can do for you. Ask what he can do for others on his team. And the answer is hopefully huge. Like you said, Elon, it was against Columbus what he managed to do the other night. But at the same time, we could give him the whole shaking off the rust excuse. But it was also the first game after the All-Star break. Anyway, all that said, he pulled a, an amazing move, made fools of at least three Columbus players, uh, and then Bobrovsky, or sorry, the Columbus goaltender on top of that. So everything looks great for him. Uh, and for Pouliot, too. Pouliot is, like, I'd call him a must-stream right now. And the thing is, he could potentially evolve into a must-own guy for the rest of the year because you look at his numbers with and without McDavid, his on-ice production without McDavid is about one and a half goals per 60 minutes. And with McDavid, it actually jumps all the way to nearly four goals per 60 minutes. That's another two and a half goals per 60 minutes. Of course, sample sizes are a weird thing here. And, you know, what Pouliot is able to do with McDavid is actually an entire half goal more per 60 minutes than the current pack of leaders in the NHL. So like your Sagans, your Canes. Um, but of course, again, they all have much larger, much larger sample sizes. And if you're really looking for the pot of gold with Pouliot, you can also really kind of stretch and see what has McDavid done in the 18 minutes that he's played without Benoit Pouliot this summer, uh, this this season. Uh, he has not done anything. No goals have been scored for the Oilers when McDavid is on the ice at even strength without Pouliot. So put them Wait. together and keep them there. <laughs> wow, I didn't realize. So it's really Pouliot who's the good one, not McDavid. <laughs> yeah, Pouliot is definitely turning McDavid into a superstar. <laughs> of course, those 18 minutes was probably, you know, over the course of two games or whatever when McDavid was playing away from him. Uh, I don't see any reason to shift either one away from the other. At this point, though, they seem to click. And you could see, like, on that uh, on that amazing highlight reel goal that McDavid scored, you can just see Pouliot, Pouliot sort of, like, playing with the puck just a little bit, like, knowing that he shouldn't take it anywhere but also just keeping it safe while McDavid was building up ahead of steam. Uh, so I, I love what the two have done together already. I hope it continues. And for that reason, if he's if Pouliot specifically is available in your league right now, you need to stream him. You need to find your worst roster spot and think hard about whether you really need that guy right now in favor of somebody like Pouliot who could very well average, you know, over 50 points, uh, over 50 point pace for the rest of the season. All right, so there's Darren Pouliot, uh, Derek Pouliot. There's, oh, Benoit Pouliot. Ah, live show. Benoit okay, Pouliot. so that's Pouliot. Live show. Live show jitters. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then there's obviously another guy. There's Eberly, who, you know, a lot of people have been asking about. He hasn't been having the greatest season, you know? Like, overall, I'm looking it up here, 24 points in 38 games, only .63 points per game. So not the pace people were hoping for. It's actually like a 43-point pace if he plays the rest of the year. But the hope, or no, more than that, that would be if he plays the 8, 68 games. But okay. The idea is Eberly could be good, but there are also trade rumors that he could be traded. But I assume whatever you said about Pouliot also goes for Eberly if you're in a shallower league and if you were deciding whether or not to pick up Eberly. Like, uh, obviously, you want Eberly more than Pouliot. The, the person I want to ask you about, Brian, now is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He's injured now. I'm curious, now that we see that McDavid, I guess we already knew, but like, what do you think about moving forward a guy like Ryan Nugent Hopkins? Like, if, if people have him slated as a keeper, you know, he was a former first overall draft pick. Do we like, does this hurt his keep? 
keeper value, the fact that Nugent Hopkins is like now their third center, because we haven't even mentioned in this game against Columbus, like Dreisaitl still got a goal, like Taylor Hall was still in on it. So, you know, the first line seems good too. Like, where does that leave a guy like Nugent Hopkins in the future? The thing is, is is he really their number three center? Because Drysaddle can shift to the wing, and that would open up the center spot for Nugent Hopkins. But Drysaddle is having a lot of success at center right now. And you wonder if the Oilers are thinking the same thing. There have been rumors for a long time about whether or not Nugent Hopkins is expendable. And it seems at this point that maybe he is. Although when you look at the bottom six on the Oilers, they're still a ways away from icing like a complete NHL forward group. Um, I always think of him as sort of like a Bergeron or Taves type. And of course, Bergeron is having a season to remember this year. So maybe it's not the best comparison. But think of Nugent Hopkins as a talented, uh, strong guy who can control the play uh, while he's on the ice. Not necessarily a super flashy player. In fact, the fact that he is so defensively responsible is going to probably put him in situations where he's going to have to play a defensive role a lot of the time. So he's great when he's on the ice, but is he somebody who can necessarily explode for 65, 70 points on a regular basis? Probably not. I think you're looking more around the 60-point region. Worst case scenario is like, I'm trying to think of another center who has similar responsibilities. Paul Stasny jumps to mind as someone who has been known, who's made a name for himself as being responsible center. But of course, he's had trouble scoring in a different system. Uh, I think Nugent Hopkins can be counted on for roughly 60 points. Uh, so it depends on how many players you're keeping. But if it's like four or five or six that you're keeping, I don't think Nugent Hopkins enters the conversation. Right. Okay, really quickly, Brian, just one word answer. Stasny or Benoit Pouliot? Who would you want for the rest of the season? Oh, oh that's a tough one. Uh, I, th- I know. You know I have that decision to make. How exciting uh, Pouliot is right now and how great things are going. At the end of the day, how high a pace can Pouliot score at? That's the million-dollar question, except for the fact that Stasny really isn't mounting much competition. Stasny has one shot or fewer in eight of his last, or sorry, seven of his last ten outings, six out of six out of his last eight outings. Whew, this is hard life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and he only has, he has five points in those games. One was a four-point night against Pittsburgh. Uh, the rest of the time off the score sheet. So not seeing a lot that I like from him. I feel... Like, it would be easier to let him sit on free in free agency and pick him up again later if you wanted to than it would be to grab Pouliot a week from now. Yeah, I, I, we're going a bit off the beaten path here. St. Louis is doing wonky stuff with their lines right now. And, of course, Schwartz is going to come back soon. So maybe we shouldn't bank on it. But right now they've got, like, Stasny, Tarasenko, and Pajarvi, and then, like, Brower with Fabri and Laterra. And like, nothing like what we talked about in the last episode. So we'll have to see where things actually shake out once Schwartz is back. One last thing about the Oilers, Brian. I want to talk about Camp Talbot really quickly because he's, you know, really you know gotten going for a while now he's been good and now that mcdavid is back i just wonder i started thinking about like his keeper value like someone like cam talbot if we're assuming that all these young oilers players and someone like Connor mcdavid is going to be you know the mick savior the jesus he's going to take them to the promised land cam talbot is has brought his numbers up to a respectable level he's up to a 916 save percentage and he was like less than 900 for many many games at the start of the year but he's been just money lately like uh just if you have uh cam talbot as a goalie, is he like uh is he jumped into a tier where he might be a good keeper? Someone's asking here Talbot or Demang. I say Talbot for sure, but maybe am I too high on the Oilers? I know at the end of the day their defense isn't that great. I mean, the fact that they have McDavid back is a good thing all around. 
wins, you know, their likelihood of winning a game goes up, uh, their likelihood of their opponent being sometimes or more often on their heels also goes up more offense is in a sense, better defense. Um, Talbot's value is good going forward. I mean, I don't know at what point he cracks the keeper conversation, but if we take a look at where he is now versus where he was a couple months ago, huge oh. difference. Uh, of if, course. And then if you go back a few months before that, like, okay, if you took the sample from the two years before this one, Talbot was a top five goalie and even strength save percentage. Mind you, he'd only made about 55, 60 appearances. So not a big deal, nothing to buy into. This was going to be a bit of a show me year and, and so will next year for that matter. Uh, but if you include this year in his even strength save percentage numbers, he falls down to like just barely in the top 20 out of 50 goalies in the NHL who have seen a reasonable amount of playing time over the last three years. But essentially, I'm not terribly surprised by what he's doing. I don't think any goalie could have survived the Oilers system the way it was. And I think uh, <clears throat> I think he's doing what I, what Devin Dubnik would have done had Devin Dubnik been able to stay around in Edmonton. I mean, you've got a competent coach. You've got them building a system. And the team is just generally sorting themselves out. And that's definitely a positive for Talbot. I don't think you have to worry about Nielsen coming in and stealing the job. As I've been saying all year long, Talbot is their guy. And they just committed term and money to him. So he's even more their guy now than he was before. And on top of all that, you, all that mumbledy jumble, he's, he's a 935 <laughs> in his last 17 appearances. That dates back to December. That makes him one of the hottest goalies in the league over the last two months and counting. So uh, yeah, the keeper material, like definitely keep an eye out. I drafted Devin Dubnik as a keeper in a league like three years ago. That backfired, but we're getting to the point where Ken Talbot is essentially at that same point where you see so much young talent on the Oilers, see that he might be along for the ride of it and then be able to scoop him up before his keeper value really um, fireworks up to the sky. Okay. Jumps up. What's the right. give me a word great, here? Mum, great mumbly jumble or whatever you said it was. <laughs> yeah, I like Talbot. It'll be really Talbot fun when we do our. It'll be really fun when we do our Schmork Goliesborg next summer, and we're trying to figure out the tiers for people. You know, I imagine a guy like Talbot. You know, you think of like a Gibson. Like, who would you want more for next year? I don't know. It gets interesting. Like thinking about some of these goalies. Um, okay, next. We're going out of Edmonton. I want to go to Pittsburgh now because we're talking about outjuries. This guy was only out for a game or two, but this is just a good springboard. But Chris Kunitz came back from being away for a couple of games, went right back to the top line with Sidney Crosby and Patrick Hornquist, and he had himself a heck of a game. He had a goal and two assists, and the reason why he had such a good game is because Sidney Crosby had himself a four-point game, three goals and assists, got the hat trick, eight shots on goal. So we'll get to Crosby in a sec. The thing is with this show, obviously Crosby is the actual news story. If this was TSN, we'd be talking about Crosby. But I want to talk fantasy implications, and Chris Kunitz is the one who is still only what, like 30% owned on ESPN? Like, I feel like it's way too low. If we're excited about Benoit Pouliot playing with Connor McDavid and Jordan Eberle, how can you not be excited about Chris Kunitz playing with Sidney Crosby and Patrick Hornquist? Of course, the small difference is Pouliot is also playing with McDavid on the power play. Kunitz is on the outside looking in, though Malkin is injured for a couple of games. Maybe in the short term, Kunitz could get there. But anyways, longer term for the rest of the year, Brian, do you think that Kunitz can improve? Because he hasn't been having, you know, the greatest season so far. He had that horrible start. But he has eight points in his last nine games. Like, what kind of pace can we expect moving forward? 
he is in a similar situation to Pouliot. I think you nailed it there. And when you first brought him up as someone who was coming on and we saw point streaks starting to come together, uh, the initial answer, and I know that we're not TSN, although TSN wishes we were. Uh, so, uh, sorry. Uh, Sidney Crosby is a bit of the story here because my initial reaction was Sidney Crosby is rolling and so is Chris Kunitz. But if you look at Crosby, he's actually essentially been on a point per game pace since October 29th. Like everyone's just coming around now that he has 45 points in 48 games. He's coming real close to touching that point per game mark on the whole season. Um, you know, and everyone w- like was in dire straits over him. He hit the score sheet just twice in his first 11 games of the season. And then a lot of us were really tentative to buy into the fact that he's back. People sold sold low on him, I think, into December. But he has been back for a long time. So with that out of the way, why is Kunitz doing better all of a sudden? And I think, Elon, you touched on it. But just to boil it down, it comes down to two reasons. The first is that uh, Kunitz has... Uh, Oh, oh, what a what a flame out here. The first reason that Kunitz is still doing well is because the, the depth chart has cleared up completely. Uh, Perron's gone. Uh, Dupuis is virtually retired. Plotnikov is scratched several nights in a row. All these guys that he was he was uh, trying to 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 beat out for that spot on the top line. They're out of the picture now. So now Kunitz is in there. He's solid, and I don't see why he wouldn't be. You know, you've got Haglin on line two. Maybe they flip, but even if that happens, Kunitz is still uh, going to be playing with Malkin. Um, the other reason that Kunitz hasn't been doing so well this year, if you look at his, his season on the whole, is, Elon, you mentioned his power play time. He's actually on pace for his lowest power play total right now since well, since ever. Uh, he's decidedly off the first power play unit. And the Pens are stacking that unit with all the firepower they've got. There's no room for him to fit in there, except now that maybe Malkin's injured, he'll get a look. So, like, just because Crosby's rolling and he's playing with Crosby doesn't necessarily mean he returns to the incredible production that we're used to seeing from him with Crosby, because that should have been happening already for at least a little while. Um, He's not going to get all the way there because of the power play time that he's missing, but at least he is at least somewhat cemented in that top six in Pittsburgh. And uh, if he's still available in your league, he is somebody that you should make a play for. Anybody playing winger with Crosby and Malkin has been fancy relevant from that position, including, you know, I always rhyme off Daniel Wimmick, Blake Como, Nick Spalling, all of these guys. Uh, so why not Chris Kunitz, who has a, a career record of having done this before? Yeah, Chris Kunitz with eight points in his last nine games. That's over the last month. That puts him... One, two, three, four, five, sixth on the Penguins in scoring in that time. There's so many people ahead of him. The Penguins are like, everyone was so worried about them before. Crosby, Latang, Malkin, Hornquist, Kessel, even Carl Haglin has nine points in his last 11 games. He's been getting points every game. So yeah, the Penguins just a great team to have players on right now. And like for, for those of you who, I know that actually this guy, Ryan, one of our patrons who's at the Sens game right now, you know, he was really pissed off and he's like not doing as well in the cup full. He says the one of the reasons, cause he drafted so many Penguins, you know, hopefully it's not too late for him, but like right now he's got like Malkin and Kessel and Latang. Like these are guys you want to have. And yeah, the, the Penguins are great. And I feel like definitely you should grab Kunitz if you can. I saw a question here, Kunitz versus, the guy you're asking like a million blank versus blank Kunitz versus Stasny for sure Kunitz. I mean, for me, it's Kunitz easy, but that's just me. Uh, okay, Brian, Kunitz let's move on. Stasny? Is that the question? Yeah. 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 Same, re- same reason as Pouliot. Like Stasny is probably going to be fodder for a long time on free agent 
Whereas even if he puts two or three games together, uh, Kunitz and Pouliot, this is this is your chance essentially to get them. And if they don't heat up, well, then you can drop them for Stasny later. By the way, we we had our talk about Connor McDavid earlier and Benoit Pouliot. Second goal of the game, Edmonton's up 2-0. Eberle for McDavid and Pouliot. Just like that. And All another, right. We'll see how many points this guy could get. The Sens, by the way, this might be a long night for them. And hey, don't... <laughs> also, uh, Camp Talbot, <laughs> halfway through the game, hasn't let in the goal. No, halfway through uh, the and, period. And with, <laughs> with the Oilers playing the Sens, it's another night of, well, he did it against Ottawa, so it doesn't count. I don't have Edmonton scheduled in front of me. I want to know the first, like, defensively, uh, what's the opposite of inept? Capable, reasonable team that the Oilers are going to play. That's the real measuring stick. Except Anderson's okay, Brian. So one other outjury that I was going to mention, maybe it's not such a big deal, but I did want to bring it up because we talked about a guy on his team last week, but Cam Fowler came back for Anaheim. He didn't have a huge impact in his return. He's back on the top power play with Vatanen, and then Lindholm goes to play on the second power play. The big news really with that is that uh, Shea Theodore stayed in the minors. So everyone was thinking that maybe he just got sent to the minors over the All-Star break. But no, it looks like he's going to stay there for a little while. I mentioned on the Facebook group, if you like went crazy, and we told you on the podcast, right? don't go crazy and drop someone really good for Shea Theodore. He was on an amazing run. But, you know, it's hard to uh, bank on him because he might go down. But he might still come back at some point, right? There's the trade deadline approaching at the end of this month. And if, and you know, if any team can afford to trade a defenseman right now, it seems like it's Anaheim. Also, Dupre is back. Uh, they have that other guy who plays a lot of minutes. <laughs> oh, Bieksa. So, like, they could afford to trade a defenseman for a forward if they wanted to. So, we'll see about Shea Theodore. If you could, like, stash him, if it's one of these uh, leagues where you have, like, an IR plus spot where when he's in an NA status, you could stash him, then you might as well do so. But, yeah, that's the update on Anaheim. I am still curious to see if... Fowler or Lindholm or even Vatnin at this point can do something fantasy relevant before the end of the year because it's really hard to you know you'd think like a top power play on Anaheim should be good but it hasn't been uh these haven't been the best fantasy owns that we hope they would be well will either of them even get a long enough look or enough time to do something substantial either they or are they still just going to be rotated around don't know hopefully Theodore comes back soon because it seemed that the situation was crystal clear when he was on the team, uh, when he was up with the big club. So, uh, yeah, I, I hope they make a deal soon. I'm tired of this this three-headed, now almost four-headed defensive monster in Anaheim where none of them can really step up. Uh, so, yes, fingers crossed for a deal. Yeah, but you're saying fingers crossed like as a fantasy owner, it sounds like. Like Anaheim won yeah. the game. They're yeah. fine without Theodore. You just want to be able to easily predict what's going to happen in <laughs> I don't care if Anaheim wins. I care that they have a, a, a consistent power play unit quarterback, first unit. <laughs> of course, yeah, so that we can say it on the podcast. Hey, I have Gibson, so uh, I want Anaheim to win. I have Gibson in the couple. Okay, we have a call coming. I'm going to like uh, cancel it for now. We'll do that We'll do that later. Uh, some interesting questions here in the chat. <laughs> I hope that we're doing this right. This is our first ever live show, so we kind of have to figure out the process. Let, let us know if you want us to keep doing some content or if you want us to just veer completely off the beaten path. But uh, we have one question. Should, should he drop straight for straight? So I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if this guy's a troll. He's been asking a lot of questions. I would straight for Brian Strait in a second. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. So that are those are the outjuries. 
Uh, let's get into some players on hot streaks. These are the guys, I guess, just like a Benoit Pouliot or Chris Kunitz, guys who might be available in your league. Let's talk about some more players that are doing really well lately, and we need to know basically sustainable or fleeting, right? People are saying Veer. Okay, I got a couple players I want to talk about, then we'll go to some questions. Someone asked, by the way, for both Sens fans. I'm a Sens fan, but I care more about my fantasy team. So <laughs> that answers that. I have priorities. I did. I generally don't do playoff well, pools, so I'll for the Sens then. Okay, so... Oh, Yager got an assist. We had a question, by the way, here. I'm going to veer off the beaten path for a question. Someone asked, does Yager suck? Where was that one? It was Aaron, does Yager suck? And he spelled it Jagger, J-A-G-G-E-R. Uh, that's one thing I've actually been wondering because, you know, his shots are way down. He's off the top power play, which is disappointing. But at the end of the day, he's playing with Barkov and he's playing with Huberdo. So he still has good line mates and he just got an assist. So obviously he's still capable of producing. Okay, Brian, let's go to some of our hot players that might be available in your leagues. Let's start with Charlie Coyle. Charlie Coyle, did you think I was going to talk about Charlie Coyle this week, everybody? But did you know that he has goals in four straight games? It is true. In the past four games, Charlie Coyle on the Minnesota Wild has scored goals. And it's not just like one of these things like Oscar Lindbergh on the Rangers where he was scoring goals all the time but only playing 13 minutes or whatever. He actually played over 20 minutes in his last game. He played 19 minutes the game before. So this guy is becoming a, a relied upon player on Minnesota, at least in the short term. That's what it looks like has been happening. And these four goals in four games, you know, he was doing nothing before for a while, but he did have a hot stretch earlier. So Brian, do you think Charlie Coyle is someone that people should start considering to add? You know, I'm not talking on the same level as Pouliot or Kunitz, even though Coyle is actually owned by more people than Pouliot and ESPN for some reason. But anyways, what are your thoughts on Charlie Coyle? Coyle is someone that I used to like taking flyers on in fantasy. And this is like starting two years ago, essentially when, when he began his career, uh, super excited about what he was going to bring to the table. Never has gotten a real chance in Minnesota, or at least never has taken advantage of a real chance that he's received. There's been a lot of movement in that top six for a long time in Minnesota. And, you know, for someone who we at one point thought would carry some real significant offensive upside, Coyle's never really even averaged two shots a game on a regular basis during his short time as of yet in the NHL. But suddenly he's on the second line seeing increased minutes. He actually has 13 shots in his last four games. So it's not a terrible surprise that a few of those have actually gone in. And a lot of this is due again. He's now on the second line where he hasn't spent a lot of time this year. He had a lot of 14, 15, 16 minute games over the last four games where he has been scoring and taking shots he's been seeing 18 to 20 minutes. Right now, Jason Zucker is the one who gets bumped down. So he loses out because of this, but he wasn't really taking advantage of his opportunity beyond what happened earlier this season. So it's a it's a good spot for Coyle to be. We've seen Zucker take a ton of shots from that exact same spot before. I don't know if Coyle is going to be exactly that kind of player, like a high, a high shot volume kind of player. But as long as he's up on that second line, there's at least increased hope that he can give some fancy relevant production in terms of shots and hopefully some goals follow that too i'm not rushing or shipping over myself to grab him right now but it is worth keeping an eye on if he can hold on to that second uh that second line spot beside miko koivu yeah and you know speaking of like coil there's a question here that just came up. I think it's worth bringing up. A, a very similar player, a guy who like you don't really care about in fantasy, doesn't seem too relevant. But like thoughts on JT Miller, he's like the same kind of guy. Right now on the Rangers, JT Miller's got goals in almost every game. It looks, it looks like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven goals in like his last seven games. And also, you know, a second line guy. But I think for JT Miller, he's playing with Derek Broussard, who's doing really well right now. And we don't know, I guess, how long that will last. Like Nash is injured and at some point now, 
Nash is going to come back. You know, another guy who's just scoring a lot of goals lately, and it's hard to know if he's going to be able to keep it up because he's never really done it before. Broussard, by the way, has six points in his last two games. He had two goals and three assists against Buffalo, and obviously JT Miller got in with goals when uh, Broussard was getting those assists. But yeah, two kind of similar guys to me. I don't even know who I would pick if I was choosing between the two. I yeah, I guess short term it's tough because it could be either one, and they're both low volume shooters too. Like if you look at uh, JT Miller over the course of the year, he had eight shots in a game against Vancouver, and I believe we talked about that on the podcast. But that represents ten percent of his total shots on goal this season. If you take away some of those games, like his last four, um, where he's only had two shots on goal for most of them, three in one of them, uh, he's really barely taking a shot on goal per game, and at that rate. Uh, He's been really lucky to score as many goals as he has. 15 goals on 81 shots gives him a shooting percentage just under 20%, which for him is not sustainable. Over the course of his career, um, he's never really seen uh, been above 10% for very long, generally uh, just under that in the 8 or 9% area. So I'd imagine that's where his shots return to. I'm not sure why exactly these ones are going in all of a sudden, but I know that the amount of goals he's scoring on, the amount of shots he's taking, that can't last for very long. Yeah, okay. So JT Miller, yeah, I don't think either of these guys, to be honest, are going to really like keep it going forever. I know, Brian, you've been saying that you still think, you still had some faith in Pominville. You said after he scored a goal, do you actually think that uh, Pominville could bounce back in the second half? I do, I do. And like, you're, okay, so I... Like, is he the new Semin? I'm not saying he's as bad as Semin yet, but he's had such a brutal year. Uh, Look, I'm willing to hang on and still give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt because his rate stats this year are generally holding steady to what they have in past years, but his shooting percentage and his IPP. So I explain this often. I'm probably repeating myself too many times, but of all the goals that are scored on the ice, what percentage of those does he get a point on? Those two measures are still low, and though they're both known to be like subject to some variance, which a lot of hockey, you know, stats people will say luck, Instead of a variance, essentially, just means that it it can shift up and down a lot. And it might not necessarily be the fault or responsibility of the player. If it is the responsibility of the player, we haven't figured out to determine whether it actually is or not in in this given situation. But I'm hoping that post-All-Star break for Pominville, there's going to be a chance where he can reset and figure things out, take a deep breath, calm down and say, look, he's still doing most things right, still on the top line, still on the top power play. And you might say, Elon, well, nothing's changed because he had all that at the start of the season, too. Uh, But then I can also say that nothing changed from last season into this one. Last season, he was producing this one. He's not. So I'm still holding out. I'm not saying you should. He he didn't have such a good. Like, what did he do last season? That was so good. Like, I remember last season, people were talking about. Are you ready to challenge me with numbers? I will. Okay, give me a second and I will. If you're going to jump in, you better give me a number. I've got them. 18 goals and 36 assists for 54 points. It was a low shooting percentage year for him. Actually, even worse. He he was shooting about 5% at even strength last year. This year, he's even doing better than that, shooting 9% at even strength. But his power play shooting percentage is way down in the tank now. Uh, 55, 60-point guy. Nothing wrong with that if, if that's what's on your waiver wire right now. Again, I don't think you go and add him today because I have a feeling post-All-Star break, he can put his, his put his game together, but he's still taking about as many shots as he usually does, still as many shot attempts as he usually does. Uh, but just the things that you, you know, that we can only hope that we can't really measure and detect 
why they are aren't going right for a player. Uh, they're not going right for him right now. So hopefully he can recover. I still have faith that Jason Pominville can can score on a 55, 60 point pace. We'll have to decide at some point on a player that I think is going to be good and you don't, and then we can make a little side bet there because I really don't think that Palmonville is worth a... Maybe we keep him on your watch list. I guess he's still on a good line. Parisi's also, to be fair, been really slow lately. I guess there's a question here. Dave is asking, which by low candidates are you gunning for? Tavares, Parise, etc. Like I, Parise, speaking, if you're saying Pominville's taking lots of shots, Parise, he's the one really taking a lot of shots, but nothing's going in for him. So, but anyways, I would go for Tavares over Parise. Kind of a general question, Dave. Kind of hard to answer that, but uh, I would go for Tavares. Thank you for the question, Dave. We appreciate we appreciate your participation in the show. <laughs> By the way, hello to. We've got someone yeah. in Great Britain tuned in, so I just okay. want to say hi to them and thanks for being up at whatever hour it might be for joining mm-hmm. us all over North America and Great Britain. We are on two continents officially on this live right, so- show. Sorry, Elon. You want to get right, on so business. Let's move on to the, the next guy. Okay, so if you thought we were slumming it talking about Charlie Coyle, let's go to someone owned in even fewer leagues. Let's talk about Cody Cece on the Ottawa Senators. Uh, he's got seven points in his last seven games, not including today. And this is a defenseman on the sense people might not even know who he is. I don't even know if nonsense fans know who Cody Cece is. But in that last seven games, he also has 15 blocks in that span but there were seven in one game so i don't know if that's something you could expect to keep up but he's a guy who can block he's actually on the second power play unit you know try to name just defensemen on the senators aside from eric carlson it's hard like there are there's no one fantasy relevant and cody cc is the first one i remember Um, some people were saying at the beginning of the year that maybe patrick weirkosh might be someone fantasy relevant this year but i guess oh yeah borowitzki i don't know how to pronounce his name how do you pronounce borowitzki Borowiecki. He's definitely. He's oh, definitely. Hockey friend. That's an excellent. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Borowiecki. He's definitely fantasy relevant in leagues that count hits and blocks. But just in terms of points, this is the first time in a long time since, like, what, Redden and Chara? I don't even know. Since a defenseman on Ottawa has been getting a lot of points aside from Carlson. So, what's up with Cody Cece? Can we expect this production to continue? Like, is there anything going on here or is it just like a run of luck? Even on your watch list. Um, yeah, a bit of a run of luck. I mean, any defenseman who's putting up points like this and peripherals is good, uh, but his minuses are eventually going to come back to hurt you in the end. There is really nobody else on the Ottawa Blue Line worth owning, aside from Eric Carlson. Not even his defensive partner, Mark Mathot, is worth your while. Um, Carlson was being paired with Borowiecki at the start of last game, which was um, just ludicrous. And you've got Cowan and Weidman. Weidman, actually. Uh, I, if I had the numbers up in front of me, Elon, maybe you can check them while I'm talking. But he's had a couple goals uh, in his short NHL career so far. All this to say, I, I don't, I don't think very much of Cody Cece's offensive production. I think the Sens were hoping he actually would take that step, step and be a reasonably productive blue liner that they could roll in their top four. But his development this year has stunted somewhat. Uh, has not looked very good in a lot of games, uh, either handling the puck defensively or really coming through with that offensive help. Uh, so right now, I, I don't I don't have much interest. I feel like defensemen like him, I generally dime a dozen in your free agent wire. And you might even be able, like, I'd prefer to grab, like, a Chris Russell or Carl Alsner or Brooks Orpik, but Orpik is still out. Uh, but essentially, I'm trying to say that guys who specialize in blocks, who can really help you in one fantasy category over someone who you just hope might continue picking up a few points here and there. Okay. Yeah. So 
it's it's hard you know with guys like this i guess you need to see a lot more than even just a, a good seven games like you know it's not as if you know it's not like a Klingberg situation like last year where he was all of a sudden putting up points or you know ghost bear this year but also you saw a situation top lot like top power play for a defenseman like at the end of the day he's cody cc like he's behind eric carlson carlson plays on the top power play carlson actually usually plays on both power plays so it's really hard for other defensemen to really have too much relevance there so, but, you know, someone to keep an eye on if you're in a deep league and it's hard to find defensemen. You know, I always feel like people underrate defensemen in fantasy. Like, you know, I'd say like a 40-point defenseman is just as good as a 60-point forward. I could I could explain why at a later time. By the way, another uh, point for Pouliot. Eberle from McDavid and Pouliot. <laughs> the Oilers, it's crazy. This is crazy right now. I really want to see the Oilers. But what else is... What else is crazy is Craig Anderson lately has just been a disaster. Like, you know, he's been... Uh, someone who can steal games for the Sens or at least keep them looking respectable for, you know, long enough for them to at least have a shot or for the, the, the articles that are written to be about how good he was. Now he kept them in the game. Uh, but lately, holy cow, stinker after stinker. If I'm just looking back at his last, let's see, three, four, five, six, uh, seven or eight appearances, he's been 909 or under in all in, most of them. Uh, he has a shutout in there and one good game against San Jose. The rest have been disasters and like not small disasters. Like he stopped uh, three goals or he made three saves on seven shots against New Jersey. Uh, he stopped only 19 of 22 against Buffalo, 38 of 44 against Pittsburgh, gave them six. And the route looks like it's on again against the Oilers. Just man, 13 minutes into the period. I turned down tickets to go tonight. Uh, I can't tell. If I'm disappointed or not, you know, I wouldn't be cheering for the home team. I'd be cheering for McDavid. So I guess I am disappointed with all the magic he's working. I can't wait to watch the highlights. Uh, well, I'd be cheering for Carlson. Uh, okay, a couple then quick questions before we get back to our highly prepared content. People, we have a lot of content for you. Uh, Dave asked what the hell. Oh, yeah, because you're talking about Anderson. Lungfist is also a goalie that we would have expected to do better. And, like, this season, like, he hasn't been a sure thing that he has been. You know, we talked about it a few, a couple months ago. And, like, it's still not the case tonight already. He's led in a couple of goals against Minnesota, like, not even halfway through the game. I don't know. He's Lungfist. Like, it's not as if you could do anything in fantasy. I guess if you could sell really high, I'd still rather have Lungfist than Talbot. I know we talked about Talbot earlier, but it is really disappointing that he hasn't been able to bounce back and be the lights out goalie that he's been for so many seasons. Yeah, he, he put up like a, a little bit of a run, but I mean, in the context of his greater season, it's terrible. Like he rolled off, uh, I'm looking now, like seven poor quality starts in a row, seven non-quality starts in a row, then put up a few. And now again, two miserable starts. Uh, I, yeah, but like you said, Elon, there's just nothing you can do about it. You can try and sell him off if you're really impatient and hope that you can get full value for him because I wouldn't want to sell low on, on such a great fantasy asset. You're not going to drop the guy. Uh, your best bet is to really shore up your goaltending situation otherwise. So at least get you through the short term, which is how long we think that this problem should last. Uh, it's really dragging on though. It's really dragging on. Can't blame any Lungvis stoner for losing patience. Well, hey, you could say Nash is injured. Maybe, like, Rangers will win more games when Nash comes back. But I don't know. It's obviously gone longer than that. They have JT Miller. And so they're only losing 2-1. to one. Maybe Lungfist will still give us a quality start and a win by the end of tonight. Okay. Next player that we had. Oh, it's 2-2? Two, two? 
did the Rangers just, there you go JT Miller scored um it's time to start, maybe it's time to start paying attention to it like I guess we keep mentioning him like we mentioned on the podcast this is, how easily swayed Elon is. this is exactly what happens oh JT we didn't like JT Miller oh he scored though so uh maybe maybe we should you know what JT Miller together right now maybe you we should what? do a mass ad you know the the good thing is if we just keep saying JT Miller, even if we're saying that we don't think he's good, probably in a few a couple of months if he does end up really good, people will tweet at us saying thanks for telling me about JT Miller. So you know we win either way. Hopefully. Well, they wouldn't. They would, you wouldn't have heard his name otherwise, right? TSN's not going to talk about it on their live right? show. Why are you so anti TSN this episode? No, it was you that started it. I was I was calling back to you. You did oh, it. I love I TSN. See, I gotcha. Welcome. Me too. Yeah, Scott Cullen. Yeah, All right. Scott, hey, so the guy. All right, let's do the next player. I wanted to move to Philadelphia and talk about a guy who also like is doing so well and is only owned thirty four point seven percent of leagues. And this is a guy in the top power play. And we get so excited about Shane Gostisbehere playing on the top power play in Philadelphia. We say he's a must own. You don't like how I say his name, but how about another guy? I just who want... more. All right, go ahead. Sorry, I just, I just want a supercut from any really gung-ho listener. I want a supercut of every time Elon has said his name. Not because I could do any better, but you're you're just so game for it. I really appreciate that. Gostisbehere? I think I'm right. That's how it's spelled anyways. Okay, yeah. I'm talking, though, about Braden Shen. Brian, Braden Shen has 12 points in his last 11 games, seven of them on the power play. He's got a point streak going right now, a four-game point streak. He's basically getting points in every game lately and, and it's because this power play is so strong in his last four games he has six points and literally all of those six points are on the power play it's like simmons drew you know voracek shen and then Go- ghost bear <laughs> and uh yeah like at this point you know you can't really ignore him anymore he's always been this guy that we thought was going to be a viable guy to own i feel like i've drafted him in a couple of years and ended up dropping him but this year he's got a respectable 28 points in 46 games and he's really heating up lately he's on the second line we talked about points in 48 games i don't know what what you're using to to look it up 31 and 48 i don't i don't think so but okay uh either (laughs) i think you're wrong but either way um you know uh now i lost my train of thought but i was gonna say that he's you know we talked about sean couturier earlier as someone to pick up who was doing well on philadelphia and like for sure i guess maybe it's the kind of thing where we didn't mention shen because he's on another level but if shen is available i'd rather him than couturier and i think shen on the top power play and on a, a strong second line now he's worth being owned only 34 percent owned i think it should be higher well Braden shen you wouldn't expect this to be happening actually with shen because he's been the guy who's been added to the top line um, for a lot of years and it was never really to do anything better than half point per game pace which I think is why people essentially are, are cool to him now I think everyone's well you know we've 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 seen this happen before we've added him he's tailed off completely we've dropped him and that's that but interestingly enough in his time away from the top line he's actually he's doing better than he was last year not necessarily better than a couple years ago or a few years ago um, but he seems to be holding his own, at least. Maybe he's somebody that needs to be a little more involved in creating his own offense, and he has a capable centerman to do it in Sean Couturier, which helps as well. Um, it is kind of funny to see somebody improve away from Giroud and Voracek, but maybe, again, the, the instability was affecting him as well, being bounced around. So, you know, there's a lot of intangible arguments that could be made here, but if you look at his numbers straight up, uh, he's getting more shots per game. He's getting more uh, shot attempts per game as well. Uh, everything that he's doing, all the underlying numbers, 
I'm just glancing at them now. They look they look positive. So it's great to see some consistency from him. And if he does stay on that second line for a while, I'd actually see that as a more positive thing than the situation he's been in in years past where he is bouncing around the lineup a lot more. I'd like to know exactly what I'm going to get from a guy, uh, not to get my hopes up too high. And I'm really happy with where he's fallen into on the li- on the depth chart right now and who he's playing with. Yeah, like, so Shen, it's interesting, right? And like you say, uh, he's bounced, you know, he's not on the top line now. Like, he used to be on the top line and then didn't do anything. And then, so it was, like, frustrating. Now he's not on the top line, but he's still on the top power play and he's doing stuff. But, uh, yeah, the guy who's on the top line now, by the way, Wayne Simmons, who I know you really want to talk about so we could get to him. Like, you know, he's always been pretty valuable as a guy on the second line. So we're, like, we're flipping here. But Simmons on the first line has been unbelievable, also on a four-game point streak. Six goals and, and two assists in that span. He's got, like, also hits, 18 hits in that span, 24 shots on goal in that span. Also, you know, that's only the last four games. If you zoom out a bit, nine points in his last nine games. Like, top line, top power play. His best ever season was 60 points. Do you think that Simmons is going to beat that this season? Uh, Yeah, I do. Well, uh, okay, let me revise. He's on pace for, like, 53 points this year. Uh, which is like not as exceptional as you might hope, given his production. It's funny because he's he's a category filler, right? In leagues where you count penalty, minute, penalty minutes and hits, he's gold. Uh, you just go grab Wayne Simmons at the appropriate time in the draft, you know, about the time when you're picking 60-point players, guys that you hope will be 60-point players. Um, this year, though, I, I don't think his production is an illusion. Like, I, I think he can keep going at hopefully a 55 plus point pace for the rest of the year. Um, His career high, Elon, like you said, is 60. His career high pace though is about, it's well, actually that's not a relevant point. Let me just get back to why he's been able to produce this year. Like uh, Braden Shen, he used to bounce around the Flyers depth chart too. He was sort of counted on to anchor that second line, but now he's up on that top line with Giroux and Voracek on a regular basis And he is getting, he's not just like being a passenger. He is actually putting more shot attempts on net than he ever has in his career. And if you consider that last season, Simmons played just 47 even strength minutes with Voracek all season long. This year, he's already played almost over 200 minutes with Voracek. Last year, he played just under 200 minutes with Giroux. This year, in 30 fewer games, he's about to surpass that mark. So, Playing more time with Voracek and Giroux is definitely a good thing for him. And that's why I'd actually expect that maybe he should be doing better than he's doing. I don't know if that's greedy of me to want more, but I feel like if his career high is 60 points and he did that playing away from Giroux and Voracek at even strength, then while playing with them, he should be able to do better. Uh, He's still on pace for his usual amount of power play points. Uh, a, A really great guy in that 55, 60 range. I'm hoping... He can bump up. Uh, he can bump up his production a little more from what it is. But in any case, he's still going to keep clicking for the rest of the year, first line or not. Yeah, in a, in a league that counts hits and like like you know like one of these multi cat leagues with Simmons on the top line and the top power play, he like becomes like one of the most viable guys. Like how could how could you not want him? But even just for points, I think that maybe he won't hit sixty points for this year just because he's he's gonna have to make up a lot of ground. He'll need like a seventy point pace or higher to be able to do that. Maybe he won't do that, but I definitely think he's gonna put up a good pace. Brian, we're killing it with the with the likes right now. All of a sudden, someone's going crazy on the keyboard. Is this a race? We're getting props. We're having a thanks for the props. <laughs> I've already Thanks, requested guys. in the chat that my final props tally be a multiple of 65. So 
That's on uh, that's on everybody. That's their job. Wait, that you want it to be what? A multiple of 65. Oh, all right. All right. That's exciting. All right. Next player we had to talk about. I'm going to just bring up, I guess. Oh, actually, okay. This ties in. because now, now I feel pressured. You guys are asking all these really interesting questions. Of course, then we have a question from Dave that he wants to ask a really hard one, where it's just rank like a whole bunch of players, which are the hardest questions to answer on the fly. But he's going Eberly, Pouliot, Domi, and Kadri. And I like that question because I just did want to mention actually Nazem Kadri because he is um, just on a really big roll right now. He's got like, you know, and we actually, it's embarrassing. I think that might be one of our biggest blunders of the year. Like that he, we called him a, a snoozer at some point, you know, he wasn't on the top line or the top power play. His shots were way down. Like at the beginning of the year, he was taking so many shots that dried up for a bit. Now it's like, ah, so frustrating because at the beginning of the year, he was taking all those shots and he wasn't scoring. Now he's taking a ton of shots. And he's scoring. He's got six, seven, three, four. Like, if you look down his shots for the last few games, it's so high. And he's got three goals in his last four games, four points in that span. Like, he is firing on all cylinders. You know, we just talked about a guy like Braden Shen. We talked about Pouliot earlier. Brian, did you know that in our joint league, Kadri, Shen, and Pouliot are all available? So, okay, I'll say for Dave's ranking, I would put maybe Eberly first, and then the other guys are the more interesting to discuss. I'd put Domi last for this year, at least. And then Kadri, Pouliot, and then throw in Braden Shen. How would you rank those three? I'm going to go Kadri, Pouliot, Shen, because I've carried Shen for so many games on my roster over the last couple of years. And uh, I am one of those owners who is maybe cooler to him than I should be. Then I should just sort of like accept and be excited for his current production. But I can't, I, I'm not quite there yet. So I'm, go, I'm going Kadri, Pouliot, Shen. Can we talk about Kadri? Like, can we go, uh, like, like a little... I just did a big... I just did a whole spiel on him. Well, no, I know, but, like, do I get to just... I mean, Please. I, you know, to be honest, I don't know... I don't know really what more I have to add other than how... <laughs> so why excited. did you ask? <laughs> no, okay. Okay, actually, I do. I have something big to add. No more props and I, I didn't... <laughs> Prop me. No, prop me after this. Okay. Yes, Max Pacioretty... Leads the league in shots per 60 at even strength this year. Guess who's number two? Kadri. Nazem Kadri. Yeah, Nazem Kadri. Like, in the past, I feel like when he was playing under Randy Carlisle, uh, he was never really trusted with big minutes or, like, allowed to sort of not roam free offensively because he's still doing decently. Um, you, you know, he's not necessarily getting killed at even strength in terms of um, like his defensive responsibilities, but they felt like, I feel like they had to keep a really short leash, leash on him. Um, but he's been uh, unleashed. Kills me to say that uh, he's ahead of uh, Ovechkin in shots per 60. Although if you look down the list, there's a lot of like eh, kind of names on it. Craig Smith is 11th in the league this year in shots for 60 minutes. Um, but Hornqvist and Ovechkin and Verbata and Tarasenko and Bergeron and Kane and Hall, Evander Kane, uh, are all up there too. So Kadri's in pretty good company and he's earning it. He's earning it too. Uh, I feel like, Elon, when we both decided to finally cut ties with him, it was like the calm before the storm. He was, he, his shots did sort of plummet just ever so briefly. And then not only did they come back, but the scoring arrived too. So sucks for us, uh, but good for everybody. I, I honestly, I wonder how many Kadri owners who uh, went without dropping him, like whoever's benefiting from him now, if they did own him straight through from the start of the year until now, I have a feeling of everybody who owns Kadri right now, he was a free agent ad for like a good, a huge majority of them. 
Yeah, so maybe it's a good lesson. Like, I think I've learned a lesson from this. But have I? Because I also <laughs> dropped Skinner, who, like, because I, I love these guys who take shots. And then maybe the lesson is, like, even when the shots dry up for a short time, maybe if they've proven that they can take a lot of shots for a sustained amount of time, maybe we should learn that they might be able to, you know, pick it up again and do it again. So I'm going to try to, you know, take this lesson and then put it into the podcast moving forward when a shots guy slows down because it's hard to find a guy who could take like six seven shots a game and Kadri's one of the few people who's capable of doing it and hey you know brian you and i both dropped him in the cupful but we have the chance to add him in our dynasty league so maybe i'll do that but all these tempting free agents it's hard to decide okay how about this guys a couple more players i wanted to talk about that i think are just worthy of being in the episode and then we'll do all the questions but one more hot streak we have to mention we talked about Carolina a couple episodes ago, but we mainly focused on Lack and how he might be a really good add. And by the way, Lack really stunk up the place yesterday against Calgary. And now Ward is back. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the Carolina net. But I actually want to talk about a forward who's gone really under the radar. But Jordan Stahl, he's got like a four-game point streak, or at least he had a four-game point streak going into yesterday. I guess then nothing much in that game. But he was also like 10 points in his last 10 like overall, does Jordan Stahl really quietly is having a really nice bounce back year or even you could say a nice bounce back couple of months. He's got 12 points his last 12 games overall. And, you know, he started the year so poor, but now he's doing well. He's on the second line. I actually don't have it up. I know the first line has been like with Versteeg and Eric Stahl and Lindholm. We've been talking about guys like that. Meanwhile, Jordan Stahl, who's he even playing with? Like nobody. Like Nor- last game he was playing with no- Joachim Nordstrom and Andre Nestrosil. I was expecting to at least see Skinner there. Oh, these lines are all messed up. Stahl with Versteeg and De Giuseppe and then Skinner with Rask and Lindholm and then Stahl. I don't know what's going on. It's really That's why it's so hard to bank on a guy like Jordan Stahl. He's got this great streak going, but who's he playing with? He's not even on the top power play. Andre Nestrosil played on the top power play with Eric Stahl last game. Ugh, Carolina, what's going on? They're very hard to predict. They're like the Anaheim Ducks. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's like the opposite problem. They don't have enough guys to really fill it out instead of having too many. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm struggling because I'm struggling because I want to acknowledge how great Stahl's run has been and how, like, you know, we essentially haven't seen production like this from him since his Pittsburgh days. Uh, but I think it is going to be short-lived. I think it's fleeting. Um, he did have a really good run, but it came on a very high shooting percentage. A lot of the the points he got from it are goals, and he still hasn't really increased his shot counts a whole lot. And if you look over the course of the whole season, he's actually the lowest points per 60 forward on the entire Hurricanes team, ahead of only Chris Terry and behind Jay Mackelmant and Riley Nash. Although, yes, he has played 200 minutes more than both those guys. So if I change the filter, be 500 minutes or more. They'll be out of the picture, but Stahl will still be dead last on the team in that case in points per 60 minutes. So I, I still, I'm not at the point where I'm ready to trust him to be a regular producer. Um, stream him if you want for the near future, but I, I'm I'm probably leaving him be with, you know, we've talked about, there's so many guys. I feel like this is one of the most exciting runs of free agents we've had any time over this season uh, save for, you know, the first couple of weeks when there's a ton of scrambling. I feel like there's a really good crop available right now and Stahl just doesn't, 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 can't hang with them. Right. Yeah. Cause there's even guys that we're just not talking about today. Cause we've already talked about them to death. You know, the, um, the Mesnikovs and the Ehlers and like those guys are probably still out there in some leagues. There's a lot of exciting guys. All right. So Jordan Stahl fleeting 
is that Brian said, you know, he's only three points behind Eric Stahl, or that was at least my note before yesterday's game. So, uh, you know, the Stahl, Eric Stahl, by the way, that's a, a bit of a snoozer in some leagues, I think. What is this face, Brian? You don't like, you don't like what I'm saying? It's interesting. Stahl, no, I do. Stahl versus Stahl. No, that was me saying, like, Eric Stahl. What a disappointment this year. Oh, I agree. Yeah. We thought, like, in a contract season, I, I think, Elon, you and I drafted, I drafted him in, I think, three leagues as, like, you know, one of my, the last draft picks uh, that I had and thinking that, you know, contract season, big bounce back coming, you know, Carolina had their year of not doing anything offensively, but they've carried that over into this year. And Eric Stahl is, uh, is, is still not doing a whole heck of a lot. Yeah, I think we actually probably, oh, okay, another blunder, I guess, because we really gave ourselves props a few weeks into the season because I think Eric Stahl had a really hot start. We were like, we told you guys, Krejci, Stahl, all the old guys are doing good. Krejci's not even old, but I guess he was someone who seems old because he's injured all the time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Eric Stahl's definitely slowed down. So that, that's, a show. oh, Camilleri, we were really excited about, and he's still doing good, but he's injured too now. Oh yeah, I wanted to mention something. I, I won't do a whole spiel about him, but Camilleri's injured. Blandesi's back on the top line with Henrik and Stepniak, and he actually scored a goal in the last game. I know Brian's probably like snickering, like, ah, oh, it's Blandesi. But yeah, I don't know. Like we, He's been on a nice run, and you know, guys like Henrik and Stemniak, it's hard to believe, even without Camilleri, maybe they're able to put up some points. Uh, eh, there's, there's another guy to throw on the list, Blandesi, if you're looking for a really deep, uh, short-term stream while Camilleri's injured. If you check out his player profile picture, he stares very deep into your soul in it. And I think we need to say Blandesi. I don't think, I don't think Blandesi sounds like, it doesn't make me want to <laughs> talk about him. It's too Fair. boring. That's true. Blandisi. Give him, give him some zazz, some zip in his name. Blandisi sounds like out of Game of Thrones a little bit. I wouldn't. Khaleesi? Yeah. Nothing? All right. So let's talk about... Okay, no. I, I know there's lots of questions. I just want to talk about one more thing that I think is fantasy relevant. Uh, we have to mention... So Dennis Watch. Sorry. I just... Because, you know, there's other people that are going to listen to this show that are going to download it. And there's uh, we appreciate the people here, but I, I, I want to make sure we cover our bases here on an episode. Not have people go, why didn't you mention Dennis Weidman getting suspended for 20 games? And I just think it's interesting because Weidman's a guy who, and he might not end up being suspended for 20 games. And obviously we're not going to comment on should he have been or shouldn't he have been. I'm sure TSN will talk about that enough, right, Brian? <laughs> But That's you. You start. You started that. That has nothing to do with me. Don't forget, Sorry. you're the TSN hater. Anyway, so which I, one I of us has interviewed Scott Cullen before? Riddle me that. Well, it was on our podcast, so I think we we share that. But okay, so the reason why I wanted to talk about Weidman, anyways, because he's a guy you know who was surprising us a lot at the beginning of the year and you know like last year he had that amazing year i think it was like 50 points or something and now this year he was doing really well but he's actually really cooled off lately he only has two points in his last 10 games and now he's going to be suspended for a long time he's only now 19 points in 48 games on the year and if you take a look at his game log his ice time has been way down and brian you mentioned uh dougie hamilton and how he's been stepping up lately and maybe that's been at the expense of dennis weidman a bit so all that to say, if you have Dennis Weidman, and even if you can stash him, but then you get into a situation where maybe you can only stash one guy and you're talking between him and someone else, maybe it might be time to just give up on him. But I don't know. I've done that before. And then he ends up going on these hot streaks sometimes. But And also now TJ Brody is injured. So if you have some of these other, like what we said about Dougie Hamilton, that just like becomes more... Um, you know, more relevant now that Brody might be out for a little while. So Dougie Hamilton, good. Weidman, not good. That's my answer. Is my cool, cool well, said. well said. Well yeah. said. 
Hamilton got uh, two Pretty points. Crazy, yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Uh, Hamilton and Hoodler were big beneficiaries of Monahan's night, and like, there's a lot of guys. Pretty much anyone not named Goudreau or Giordano, everybody's wondering again about their fantasy value. Uh, looks pretty good when Monahan is scoring. So hopefully the Flames can keep keep going with that and reward anyone who's been patient enough or can be keen enough to, to grab those guys at the wire. I'm trying not to turn my head this way, by the way. This is weird mullet business. Sorry. Our, our listeners aren't going to care about that. Okay. So <laughs> let's now – okay, now we're ready to take your – questions there was actually a question that i like accidentally knocked away and i didn't mean to so i don't remember who asked it but it was kessel versus monahan and the thing is like it's funny because before yesterday's game where monahan what did he do in the end like i know he had like four points three a goal and three assists or something like that but like before this big breakout game he had been really cold and a lot of people were oh yeah goal and three assists you know, we were even getting questions on Facebook. That day, we actually got a question on Facebook. A guy wanted to know if he should drop Monahan for, like, a winger. And a lot of people were saying, yeah, you might as well. He's not doing much. And I, I'm going to take the credit. And I said, hang on, top line, top power play. These are the types of guys I want to have. He was still getting good minutes. And, you know, he had this great game against Carolina, against Eddie Lack, which was disappointing for us Lack owners. But all that to say, now I'm going to go the other way and say I still would definitely want Phil Kessel over Sean Monahan, And it's not close. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, my answer doesn't change with last night's performance from Monaghan. It's exciting. It's promising. Uh, but Monaghan, I think, best case scenario, hits, you know, uh, 55, 60-point pace over the rest of the season. I think Kessel can surpass that, especially with things in Pittsburgh seeming to be working lately. So Kessel, all day, every day. Yeah, and to be fair, that question on Facebook wasn't asking Monaghan versus Kessel. That was, like, against lesser people. Keep in mind, Monaghan had 62 points last season. Of course, you know, we talked all about how there were high on-ice shooting percentages all around. Yuri Hoodler was able to get 70 points. So maybe he's not going to be able to keep up that pace. But I do think that Monaghan is worth owning, like, 55 to 60-point pace, like you say, is very good. That would be great, and I, I expect that to happen. But Kessel, I could see more like a 70 to 80-point pace. So, you know, he's playing with Evgeny Malkin, who's injured right now, but... Kessel has done it on his own. You know, we talked about it all in the offseason. Like, Kessel, maybe he needed some time to, uh, you know, figure out, build some chemistry or whatever it is. But as of now, he's, like, almost a point per game in his last month or so. So I love Phil Kessel. He's great. And, okay, let's go to the next question here. Okay, now let's just burn through these questions. This is hard, guys, by the way. You know, normally on a patron cast, we're not expected to, you know, then we could just, like, go off the cuff. This is a real episode that's going to go out to all of our hundreds of listeners. So, okay, with let's that, just do them. With that said, Elon, hey, don't sell us short. We have, don't sell us short. <laughs> Why would you say that? Right. We are not Sorry. humble about our listeners. Yeah, it's, our, it's tens of thousands, our tens of thousands of <laughs> listeners. <laughs> hundreds. Be honest with the people. Hundreds of thousands of listeners. Okay. Uh, and Elon, maybe this is a good point to, to just, I want to thank everybody who's joined us live. I, I said it in the chat, but I really want to say we appreciate it. We are putting ourselves out there a little bit tonight, curious about, uh, whether we could pull this off or whether it would work. Uh, and of course, that couldn't have happened without you guys showing up. So we appreciate that. Uh, thank you to the patrons because this is a regular episode. If you want to become a patron of Keeping Carlson, if you like the vibe of this live show and you want to get it at least once a month, maybe twice a month if enough people become patrons, uh, head on over to keepingcarlson.com patron and you can ask us questions anytime in the Facebook group. And join in on our live show that is guaranteed to happen once a month. We'll have to talk about how much more often we do this. But I'm having fun so far. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I like doing a live show. It's great. And I think that we'll get better at it as we go. You know, it's, we're working out. I the think we graded it already. I don't think we can get any better. That's why yeah, we had hundreds of thousands. <laughs> you had that mumble jumble or whatever you called it earlier on in the episode. But yeah, if you want to become a I patron, thought that was a highlight. That was great. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. And yeah, I do also just want to say really quickly, love the patrons. I think it's a great time to be a patron. You know, you don't have to like uh, commit to years and years of patronage. You could just sign up $5 a month, ride us through the trade deadline. You're going to want to be on that Facebook group, getting some advice from all the other patrons. You know, it's going to be hard. And, you know, we're not going to have time to wait for the next episode of Keeping Cross. We'll probably do like a bonus episode. But, you know, if uh, Druin gets traded to, you know, whatever team, you need to know right away, what do I do, guys? Do I pick up Druin or, or not? I'm going to say, you know, don't get too excited about Druin, but we'll, we'll see. Anyway, let's move on to the questions. Yeah, keepingcarlson.com slash patron. Britt Hurley asks, what's up with Silverberg's crazy production lately? But then she said in the chat, you can skip my Silf question because she's a few podcasts behind. And so if we've already talked about we definitely have talked about Silverberg. Brian likes him a lot. So I'm just bringing this up to say that, Brian, I assume you still feel the same way about Silverberg. The great thing about him is he's in this cadre category or maybe close to it of just taking so many shots and he's just not been able to score a lot of goals lately. But, you know, now that things are starting to go in, it's it's really hard to ignore. Again, they're not just going in for him. They're going in for his teammates, too. He has two multi-assist games in his last three outings, and he hasn't actually been taking a ton of shots, just five shots in his last four games. But if he's putting up four assists in that span, uh, that's pretty good. And Elon, not to take anything away, he had uh, 23 shots in a four-game span before that one. So, I And I think, uh, you know, generally in his career, he's been getting about two and a half shots per game. Um, he is supposed to be fairly confident offensively. So I don't think any of us are surprised. I think if anything, we're surprised it's taken this long for him to have a run of meaningful production. He topped out last year, 39 points in 81 games. He's not necessarily going to beat that this year, just 17 points in 48 games. But that whole Ducks team sort of limped their way to where they are now. They're not really as offensively focused as they once were or Maybe it would be more correctly put as they are more defense, defensively focused than they were at the start of the year. Um, so don't necessarily expect the goals to start rolling in for anyone, uh, but it's great to see him put up some some reasonable production. His shooting percentage is low. Hopefully it continues to climb. But some of that is also going to be dependent on if Ryan Kessler, his center, can keep things rolling as well. Uh, and Kessler, over the last little while, has been able to do that. In fact, he's the one who's started taking shots. He had a 10-shot game. Elon, did we even mention that? Ryan Kessler had a 10-shot game against Boston going into the All-Star break. He's like Andre Burakovsky that way. Andre Burakovsky also had that amazing game yesterday. Burakovsky's like, uh, I don't know. Like We talked on the last podcast. Brian, you picked him up. You obviously are really happy with him. He's still going to be playing with Kuznetsov. I don't want to get back into him, but yeah, another guy throw into the list of all these exciting free agents for sure. And also Couturier. I'm seeing though that maybe Braden Shen scored. Man, you know that moment in like, what do you guys do? Doesn't it? Isn't this the most frustrating thing in fantasy when you get an update, like a push notification on your phone that a player scored, then the app only shows the guy who scored, but not like who got the assists. And you have to keep like refreshing and refreshing to see who got the assists. And you know that the person who scored is on the line. (laughs) That's why what? That's That's why you watch the game. I subscribe. I subscribe to any to notifications on Twitter from the Twitter account at Goal NHL, which actually is way better than any app I've ever downloaded. So everybody oh. should should follow that. You get you you just don't get power play or special teams information for each goal scored, but 
that's been a very reliable source. I can already see that Braden Shen from Couturier and Gagnier. What a line. Well, I learned that from the chat, but yeah, there we go. We talked about Braden Shen. So probably the people listening, you have to believe us. We talked about Braden Shen before he scored this goal. And uh, oh, it's going to be really hard to decide who to pick up in our, in our Dynasty League. But okay, let's move on to the next question here. Which one should we do? Oh, yeah, I want to talk about this one. To Foley. So the Kings can't, they, you know, they, they can't stay still. They like to they like to play around with their lines, I guess, because we were so excited when Toffoli went with Kopitar and they were doing really well. And it's not as if the Kings have been doing bad lately, but they shook it up again. Last game, they went back with the that 70s line. They put Carter with Toffoli and Tanner Pearson. Dustin Brown went to the top line to play with Kopitar and Lucic, a place he's been before where he didn't do anything. But I guess he really wants to stay there because he scored two goals yesterday. Though, of course, one of them was from center ice. So I don't know how much credit he should get for that. But uh, yeah, so the the specific question that we have is what's Toffoli's value going forward if he's no longer playing with Kopitar on line one? Um, Probably like the thing is like he was overproducing. So I still think he's really good. But if you were expecting like a 75 80 point pace you know that wasn't going to keep up anyways i still think just as i did the beginning of the year like 60 to 65 point pace rest of the way through yeah he's bound to see some regression regardless of which line he's on but in any case he he did establish himself as like a good uh a good solid score we talked about how like on the daryl sutter kings and even before the daryl sutter kings when the kings were just garbage uh there was no real there's still no real precedent for anyone other than Anze Kopitar breaking 60 points. Uh, and Toffoli is close enough to, he, he needs 23 points over his last 32 games. He could get there, um, rooting for him to do it, but don't know. Don't know if that's a little too much to ask uh, if he is in that second line spot. But I also wonder if we're reacting a little too quickly um, to that change. Cause uh, yeah, if you look at change. the last, I, I feel like Dustin Brown gets up there for a little bit every now and then and, and then goes back down to doing nothing in the lineup again. Uh, I feel like in, in the best case scenario, the Kings would have a, a competent Dustin Brown on the first line and spread out their offense that way. Um, but Brown hasn't really stuck there ever in the last couple of years. So I'm more into, I, I'm not really down on Toffoli's production because he's off the top line. I might be down on it because his shooting percentage is a little high and his shot taking pace uh, hasn't slowed down terribly, but has slowed down just a touch. Um, yeah. So beware of that. Uh, just six points in his last 10 games, which is good enough for roughly a 50 point pace the rest of the way. I'd hope that he can give me 60, 65. Elon is high to me. I'm hoping for maybe about a 55 point pace from now until the end of the year. Yeah. I, the reason I guess I'm saying 60 to 65 point pace is because I just think there's going to be another run in there at some point it's just a matter of if you have him for that run if you're trying to decide but like he definitely has shown it's like a cadre thing right he's shown he's capable of giving us a lot of production like i don't think it was a flash in the pan type thing but you do have to monitor this kind of thing like i don't think he's gonna stay on the same line like you say but he also only played like less than 16 minutes in the last game which was his lowest in a long time so something to monitor let's see what happened let's, let's watch a few games of Tafoli, see if he stays in this line see if his minutes really are down and then we might actually have to reassess but okay I like this question about Spooner because we actually got a question on Twitter today. Uh, the guy was asking uh, Spooner versus Hurdle. And and the reason why people are wondering about Spooner, because he hasn't slowed down. He's doing fantastically, but he was moved to the third line in the last game. And so, you know, but the thing is, he was on the third line for most of the season. And when we started talking about Spooner on the podcast, talking about how he great he was doing, that was when he was on the third line. But the thing was, he was still on the top power play 
which he's still there. He's already got a goal today against Buffalo. He's got like 13 points in his last 14 games now or something crazy like that. Still taking a ton of shots. He had five shots from the third line against Toronto. So I don't know how much credit you want to give. But, you know, Spooner's great. Like, I'm over it. I said it on a podcast recently. Like, I'm done. Like, I, Spooner to me is is at the next level now where I think he's going to produce. I definitely would take Spooner over Hurdle. I think Hurdle could be bounced from the first line at some point. Like, for now, Hurdle's great playing with the Joes, but I still could see him being bounced. Like, I feel like Spooner is just really showing himself to be a reliable guy in fantasy like i'd prefer him maybe brian disagrees i know brian takes more for you to really buy into a guy but i'm like in on spooner at this point well 14 power play points has definitely helped him get to where he is i think that's a big part of his production it's hard to believe like we were just talking about to uh but he and spooner both have the same amount of points in the same amount of games 37 points in 50 games and spooner might be able to pass him tonight the difference is yeah a chunk more coming on the power play and we've looked at how I don't necessarily like Spooner's underlying numbers a whole lot and that makes me wonder a little bit about um, you know how long exactly he can keep scoring like this I I, I don't know that he's on like the next level Elon for me as he is for you Um, but the fact that he still is scoring and producing in the face of several reasons uh, why he shouldn't be or at least why you know, he needs to improve other aspects of his game before he becomes a reliable scorer. It's definitely, it's getting good enough for me. We're, we're past the point where he should be a free agent in any league. We're long past that point. Uh, and until he goes cold for a while, uh, like I'm talking until he goes back to, you know, say a, a four, a half point per game pace, say over the course of like 10 or 12 games, uh, he's, he's in there as somebody who you can expect to score uh, semi-regularly. Yeah, I mean, at this point, Brian, call me crazy. I say 60-point pace for the rest of the season. Like, I, I'm in. So maybe you're not yet. We'll see. Let's talk about it again another week. I bet you in his next 10 games, he's going to have seven points at least. So I've I've called. Oh, who was the guy who I said, oh, who would you take, Pominville versus Spooner? Let's do this. Do you want to take that bet or do you still do you like Spooner better? I'll take Spooner. Damn it. All right. I want to find How out about, who I uh, how about Barkov Bukestad, by the way? Oh, bring up the old... Yeah, after I've beaten you in so many of these, and then you bring up the one, and also no, Bukestad... Barkov Bukestad, that was the one for this season. You make all these other side bets that I don't think too hard about, and then you, right. you catch me on those. But the big one right. that we talked a lot about beforehand, I'm winning. You're and right. I'm going to win. No, you're right. Barkov is amazing. Bukestad is pretty good, but not amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, like Barkov, by the way, guys, grab Barkov. You need Barkov. to be more humbled. No, no, I am humbled. That was a dumb thing I said. I don't know why. I was big on Bjugstad in the summer, and then we looked at his numbers, and it wasn't even there wasn't even a good reason to be even said on the podcast. And I was saying, like, I was. I remember I said Bjugstad. Why is he ranked so low on Yahoo? He should be higher. Like, I, you know, I was saying he was like ranked. It's hard when you say low or high because like the numbers go down. But I thought his number should have been closer to to one than to like seven hundred. But anyway, I was wrong. Bjugstad was was properly ranked by Yahoo, but he is on the top power play ahead of Yager, so that's something. By the way, Riley Smith is also on that top power play, and he's doing really well. He's got, I think, a goal today or a point today. Yager, though, does have the, his two assists, and apparently, what was this I saw in the chat room? He hit a milestone. 1,100 career assists. Yager. All right, next question. I actually didn't hear what you said, Brian, but I assume it was good. Oh, call. is this the call-in, Brian, that you made the trade, uh, you traded Galchenyuk to? No, that's Colton. 
Oh, that's Colton. Oops. All right. Well, Colin. Come on. Oh, no, I, and I'm getting Colin is actually one of our longest standing uh, Twitter followers who I recognize back back in the early days when we only got questions from a couple people at a time or like, you know, it wasn't just a steady stream through the day. I remember Colin. So thanks, Colin, for for, for being a longtime follower of the show. We appreciate well, it. And hopefully we won't let you down. I think this is a good question. I think it's very close. I'm curious also, sometimes I like to know the the reason behind this question, but he's asking Broussard or Hubert mm-hmm. Is this like as a free, because if it's a free agent, I feel like maybe there's someone else. Like I want both, but yeah, we're talking about all these Panthers players. I guess we have to mention Hubert also on that top power play, on the line with Barkov, who I said was amazing, and Yager. So he's got good line mates, and he's good himself. He's got, like, a great stretch. So we had three points against Washington the other day. You know, uh, didn't do anything against Toronto, but the game before that, he had a goal and assist against Tampa, then assist before against Chicago. So he's heating up. And I remember going to this season, I was really high on Hubert because he ended last season so strongly. Like, he ended with close to a point per game pace. I thought he'd be able to carry it through, but maybe he's just a second half guy. I don't know. Cause he didn't start this year. So great, but I really like Jonathan Huberto. Having said that for any curve enthusiasm fans, having said that for Sard is also on a hot streak. We already talked about that. Um, I don't know. My gut tells me that it's probably close enough. That it doesn't really matter, but I would take Huberto if I had to pick one. And if anyone could get guess what my incredibly reference was, let us know in the chat room. You win a prize. Cool. Go. Uh, incredibly, the thing with uh, Huberto and Brassard is that they both also have 37 points. This makes four consecutive players who have been brought up. I guess, like, maybe this is the sweet spot where we're not sure exactly how to gauge guys who are on pace for, well, they're all on pace for 60 points. Um, and we're still wondering what exactly we should do with them or, or how to value them. Because I guess, you know, if you looked at the distribution of fantasy relevant players, there'd be a big bump around this part. Anyway, I don't know what I'm going on about. Just a, a wonderful coincidence. Uh, I think I would probably take... I said Huberdo. Yeah, you know? Yeah. I'm leaning I'm leaning Huberdo. Um, I feel like... But I, I can't really tell you. I mean... I, th- I think I'd go Huberto. I can't necessarily tell you why. Like, I can just go, well, you know, Brissard's shooting percentage is higher. So, you know, he's maybe a few more shots are going in. That shouldn't be going in. I can give a reason. Um, but I've been, I've been really excited about Huberto going into this season. And I'm still, I'm especially excited by what he's been doing over the last 10 games. Um, I'd, I'd roll with it. I'd roll with Huberto. But I can't, uh, on the fly, I, I can't give you more than my hunch. <laughs> I would say also Hubert Doe's more of a lock to get more power play time. Like Broussard, uh, you know, there's Stepan there. Like they sort of split their power play into two. Like Hubert Doe's on the number one, like awesome power play with Barkov. Like I don't, I, but you know, Broussard I, plays with good players too. It's I, close, but I, I say Hubert Doe. I looked at that, but uh, Broussard has one more power play point uh, this season yeah, than Hubert Doe does. Although if you get, you know. But this I, is where, you know, I take a moment to research if we were recording the show as we were others and say, well, you know, where's uh, uh, how many power play minutes have they both had? Don't have that that luxury. So you can always ask us on Twitter again for that info. Yeah, I think, though, that also some of these things, like when you look at some of these, there's a lot of players this season that really started slow and Huber Doe is one of them. You know, it's like if you were to compare um Crosby to someone, you know, and be like, well, Crosby only has this many, but it's like, really, you only want to look in the last couple of months for Crosby because the first month of the season for Crosby, that wasn't Sidney Crosby. That was some other player that was wearing his jersey, apparently. So anyway, okay, next question. This is actually one that I'm starting to wonder, Brian. It's So Connor Hellebuck, 
you know, our guy that we've been promoting for a while. And I think we did you guys pretty well. Like we've gotten you a lot of good wins, a lot of, you know, still a great save percentage for Connor Hellebuck. So don't get mad at us for recommending that you picked him up back when you did. But at this point, he's going through a cold stretch. Maybe there's something you can expect from, you know, a new goal, a new rookie goalie on a team that's maybe not the best team. Even though we, we always expect more from Winnipeg because they have all these superstars. But I guess, you know, they sometimes have trouble putting it together. I'll just say Hellebuck, he's really been up and down lately. He's had a couple of really good games, but in between those, some really bad games. And yesterday against Dallas, or two two days ago against Dallas, to be fair, it was against Dallas. That's really hard. That's a hard team to play against. But at this point, the question is, does Hellebuck suck? I don't think he sucks. But then we also have Looming. Pavlek is going to be coming back soon. So it becomes interesting. The question here is specifically Hellebuck versus Talbot. And I am going to say I would rather have Talbot. I think that there's still that fear of what Pavlik would could do. Uh, I think that Hellebuck could lose starts. I think Talbot is the for sure thing to be getting the starts moving forward, or at least more so than Hellebuck. And I still like Hellebuck. I'm not going to drop him now, but it is concerning because he, he hasn't been this like rock that we were hoping he would be, and his numbers are starting to go down. They were otherworldly at first, and I'm a little concerned. Brian, talk me off the ledge here. I can't. I, you know, Aww. like you make a good point. Uh, like the the tiebreaker really is where does Hellebuck stand on his team if in his last 10 starts he's only only three four of them have been quality so six like a quality start if it's not a quality start it's essentially a stinker um and where you don't give your team a chance to win so in six of the last 10 games that Hellebuck has started for Winnipeg he hasn't given his team a legitimate chance to win those games. He is, or his, or the defense, whatever, whatever combination of goalie, uh, goaltending and defense have conspired to lose the Jets the hockey game. And I think it's a, it's a bit of a perfect storm with Pavlik coming back. And you wonder if the Jets say, well, came up, did really well, isn't ready to be doing this on a regular basis just yet. I also wonder if maybe he's tired. Like I, I can't even, I don't have a list of. Uh, Elon, I don't know if you can pull up like Hutchinson's splits or something, but Hellebuck it just seems like he's in the net night after night after night. Yeah, to see it, oh, how many Hellebuck's games Hutchinson played, has started. Well, Hellebuck's played like almost, I think he's played the last 10 games for sure. I'm looking now, but I think he's played pretty much every game in January. Like it's been a long time since we've heard from Hutchinson. A long time. A long time for a 22-year-old rookie to really be able to withstand the rigors of the NHL. Uh, so maybe fatigue is a part of this, and it, for sure regression was going to be a part of it. So they're just running him, running him, running him. He, he's basically taking on like the workhorse goalie load that we're used to seeing guys like Holtby and Flurry and Price take on, except, of course, he is a 22-year-old rookie. Um, so that's my best guess as to what's happening. I don't think his value decreases long-term like if you're looking at him as a keeper or or a long-term asset um as a trade chip in that sense but um it is worrisome that he is struggling just about the time that we are starting to expect Pavlik back so for that reason I will stick with Talbot although it just it kills me to pick up an Edmonton goaltender when they still have so many problems on defense but we haven't really seen them come to fruition with like we said, Talbot posting in 9.35 since the start of December. Yeah, even though uh, Sens now have brought the game to 3-2 to two tonight. So we'll see if Talbot could keep the Oilers in it. High-scoring game. They're only halfway through. Carlson, two assists, by the way. So, you know, we get excited about all these other guys, but we always come home 
to our main guy, Eric Carlson, who I think might just be the most viable player in fantasy this season. So, so far, that's my opinion. I really like defensemen. Okay. Brian, I hope this is a good episode of the show. And I'm starting to wonder, like, I love answering all of these questions. You know, normally we run such a tight ship and we go like from content to content to content. Now we're jumping all over the place. I, If you're listening to the show, hopefully the people in the room are enjoying it. I, I hope you are, or else you probably would have left. But the people listening to the show definitely tweeted us at Keeping Carlson. Let us know what you think of this live format, because we need to decide if we should do this more often or if you'd prefer just to do a regular episodes and we could stick with the live shows just for the patrons. So... Yeah, let us know. I'm sure. And don't be like, oh, just do live shows every day and then do also the recorded show once a week. <laughs> that would be fun. So if we could get like a, a ton of money, maybe we could do that. But okay, let's go on to the next question. Brian, how, how long can you go here? I guess we'll go till nine. So probably you guys should stop asking questions because we have a lot of questions here. We could obviously keep this chat going after. Let's go. Let's go. Keep four among these gentlemen. So we're, I'm going to give you a list of players. These are really hard to do on a podcast, but I'm going to give you a list of players. We're going to choose four of them to keep. Couture. Getzlaff, Barkov, Kuch. Ah, oh, this this question's crazy, man. Ask this on the patron group, okay? Like, we need. I need to research this. I need to look. It's too many players to like no, think about on. all of them. Okay, but at first blush, Couture, Getzlaff, Barkov, Kucherov, Stamkos, Schwartz, Johansson, and Huberdeau. Okay, so I'm keeping four: Stamkos and Johansson. Absolutely, no doubt about it. Like those are the no oh, doubters. Can... And right. then Kucherov also as the funny. other two. Okay, I was Barkov is my third, and then it's going to be a toss-up between Kucherov and Huberdeau. I don't know how I feel about having two keepers oh from the same team. Like, we talk about owning two players from the same team in a redraft. I've never really thought of it much in a keeper context, though. Um, so I'm going to go Barkov, Kucherov, Johansson. We're talking Ryan, I'm assuming, and Stamkos. I think that's good. I think Kucherov and Barkov are the right choices. Getzlaff is also really good, but, you know, for a uh, keeper. Brian, you're selling Kucherov short, by the way, I think. Kucherov's got 41 points in 49 games. He's money. He's getting points almost him. every game. I know, but at first you were I'm deciding between him. the... Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't obvious for you. You were at first, like, saying him or maybe Barkov and Huberdeau and deciding between them. I say it's a, a slam dunk, slam dunk Kucherov over... Huberdo. I think I, I like your choices though in the end. And it's it's weird. Like things have changed so fast, right? Couture, I'm sure going to the every would have said couture, but you know, he's like playing on the third line and he's doing okay, but he's not the same. Like like all of a sudden, you know, it's a new NHL here. Barkov and Kucherov. And we're taking them over Couture and Getzlaff, but that's that's where we land. I think we agree here. Sorry, I gave you a hard time. Although I gave you a hard time about Kucherov. I'm sorry. That wasn't nice. Well, we're talking about Couture. I think it's worth mentioning. I think he's gotten a real bad rap this season. Like, I think he's going to recover. It's been an awful season, like, with injuries. It almost reminds me of Krejci's season from last year. Uh, I'm not, like, concerned about Couture long-term. I think he's going to go back to doing what he's always done, um, especially as Thornton gets older. Although, does Joe Thornton even get older, or can he just keep dishing assists forever? Uh, But Couture, like, watch for him. If he falls out of people's keepers list, watch for him going into your drafts next year. Because, you know, anytime that someone we value that high um, becomes someone we value that low, uh, it, it's you, we're usually wrong. Like, he's usually not going to fall that low unless, of course, you're Alexander Semin. And there is the necessary Alexander Semin live show reference. Yeah. Let's just never mention him again, actually, starting now. So... Here's a question from Dave. He put up a long time ago. This is something probably, I don't know. We talk about it every couple of weeks on the show. When to give up on price. Like, I don't know. 
like I'm not a doctor. Like, <laughs> okay, hang on, Elon. I think I feel like you're getting tired. That was your first reaction to the last question, too. I don't know what, what to do with all these keepers. I, I have no idea. How are we supposed no, no. to do this on the fly? I'm gonna answer Dave's question like I did the last one too. I'm gonna take the lead on this, and I'm gonna Go suggest ahead. that it depends on. Actually, we this was a, a good topic in the Facebook group today. It depends on where you are in your league standings. Like, and of course, if we're just talking, we're talking one year league here. I guess maybe it makes sense in a keeper context. If you are in trouble uh, in your, uh, like, you might not be able to make the playoffs in your league, uh, then it might be time to give up on price. I didn't see this video. In fact, it totally flew under my radar. It's having trouble skating. Uh, and like, we've been wondering since I think December, I've been wondering aloud about exactly like how transparent the recovery process has been and when he's going to be back. Um, if you're comfortably at the top of your league and you can survive into the playoffs with like a carry price return towards the end of the season, uh, then do that. Then just hang on, I guess. I guess your biggest concern right now as a price owner is that Montreal acknowledges the fact that they are going to fall out of the playoff race. And because of that, they stop even trying to bring price back and shut him down for the season. That's worst case scenario for a price owner. Yeah. Okay, that's what I was gonna say. But yeah, no, you're right. Like it depends. If if you for sure in the playoffs, maybe you can make a hail mary. But I don't know. If it was me, and I think I do take risks sometimes in fantasy, like more so than you, Brian, actually. But th that's more with picking up maybe prospects a bit early. Not prospects, you know, like players on hot streaks a bit earlier than you would, and, and like dropping maybe players who are supposed to be good but aren't doing well. Like I do that also faster than you. But in terms of like with these injuries, like I'm actually the opposite. Like I feel like like last year, I don't know if you remember, Brian Zetterberg had a back injury, and he and it was like not sure. Even they were saying he would be back, but he just kept on getting injured, and I was very concerned. I ended up trading him before the fantasy hockey playoffs. And he ended up coming back in time for the fantasy hockey playoffs and he did really well. And that was actually like kind of a blunder that I made, but that's, I guess, you know, I just didn't want to risk not having anything. I think I got like Henrik Sedin or Daniel Sedin for him. So anyway, it's tough. It depends how you want to play. Like for me, and maybe I'd be wrong again this year, but I would just be like, if you could get a decent goalie that you can rely on for Carey Price, you know, I'd rather just have him like give me a, I don't even know, like a Luongo. Uh, you know, he's good. He's going to play. It's gonna get you points. Like Price might not even play. Anyway. I'd look if I if I have Carey Price, I'm starting at the top. I'm looking for Bishop or Holtby or even Corey Schneider. I'm looking for in a really high year? save percentage guy. No one's gonna still give you in that. a one year league. Yeah. If you I can. don't know, there was a trade in my in my cupful division, which uh, it was before we like someone bailed on Price early, and it turned out they were smart too. They traded uh, Price away and got Bishop back. And well, it's yeah. turned out really well for that guy so far. And the other guy's just drowning. He <laughs> thought he was set. He thought Price would be back in a month, and it's just not happening. I mean, I don't disagree with you. Obviously, if you can get Bishop for a price, then do it. I'm just saying, like, I'd be, uh, I wouldn't, if I had, um, you know, Bishop, I wouldn't be trading him for Carey Price. No way. Uh, okay, let's let's burn through the rest of these questions. And I say burn through, like, I enjoy taking the questions, but also it's a long episode yeah, here. It sounds, it's not even going to be dismissive. It's, Elon, it's nine o'clock. So how about we take the? How about we take one more? One more? Okay, yeah. Let's see. Okay. Let's just do lightning round. How about lightning? We have four questions. Lightning round. Lightning, lightning round. round. Thirty seconds per question. Okay. Okay. Josh, two questions from Josh. Josh, I feel like his questions have been up here a long time. Actually, sorry, Josh. This is just random. I, I promise. Maybe your questions <laughs> looked long, and it looked like I'd have to read a long time. Okay. What's going on with Shattenkirk? Out of Ristolainen, Muzzin, and Shattenkirk, who are the two? 
keepers. Okay, keeper. Okay, Shattenkirk is on a cold streak right now. It's true, and I would look into more numbers, but we're, we're in a lightning round here. But I would still rather have Shattenkirk the most. But I like the other two, but I guess Ristolainen and Shattenkirk, just because those are the two top defensemen on their teams. And Muzzin, who's doing great, but he's still behind Dowdy. But I like all I like all three. We I called Muzzin, by the way, at the beginning of the year. I said he'd be good. But I, I'll take Shattenkirk and Ristolainen. Yeah, me too. No argument for me. Uh, just at more scoring potential, especially from Shattenkirk. Muzzin being on the Kings, being not Drew Doughty, uh, not going to get a ton of chances to be terribly uh, prolific at scoring. So for that reason alone, like if you change the teams they're all on, if you move Muzzin to Buffalo and Ristolainen into LA, I'd probably take Muzzin, uh, but that's not the case. So I'll take Shattenkirk and Ristolainen. Cool. Okay. And the other question by Josh was the same question. So that's easy. Okay. Next, George <laughs> Costanza. Wow. A curb reference, Seinfeld reference. We're, uh, I saw Jerry Seinfeld live just last week, by the way, uh, in Buffalo. So, okay. George Costanza asks, his goalies are Luongo, Craig Anderson, FML, uh, and Bobrovsky. Should he pick up Markstrom? We haven't mentioned Markstrom in a while. Markstrom's been really good. And, like, are you saying to drop one of them for Markstrom? Or are you saying just pick up Markstrom and drop, like, someone else? I definitely like what Markstrom's been doing lately. 932 save percentage in five games. I guess now they're playing Miller again. But, come on, they've got to give Markstrom some more games. He did so well when Miller was injured. All of his last few starts have been quality starts. If he's a free agent and you could get him, I would. Like, as far as who to drop, like, I guess you have Bobrovsky on IR, I assume. And obviously then it's like Anderson versus Markstrom. That's a really hard one just because like Anderson has been so brutal lately and just killing your stats. But at the same time, I think Markstrom will have better numbers, but Anderson's going to play more games. It's hard to, it's hard to give up on Anderson for Markstrom, but I definitely would try to get Markstrom if you can for like a third goalie there. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think you might also be selling Anderson a little bit short. Like the last run has been just dismal and terrible and upsetting. Uh, But generally he's a, good NHL goalie. He's someone who faces a lot of pucks every night. And if he faces 40 pucks, you can sometimes count on him to stop 37 or 38 of them. And that happens a lot in Ottawa. So especially if your league counts saves, he's a valuable guy to have that way. Although uh, Vancouver goalies do see their fair share of shots against them as well. Um, I'd rather have like an, a totally established number one goalie than Markstrom is I don't even think he's 1B right now. I think he's number two. Uh, so that, that settles it for me. Uh, Anderson seems like a lost cause right now, but he's not. He's not. I, 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 he'll get his feet under him. All right. So, yeah, I guess I have to agree with you. Like, George Costanza is saying that he would have to drop Spooner or Silverberg, and I don't want to really drop either of those guys to pick up Markstrom. But, of course, your goalie, you need to win. He's saying there's no saves also, just wins, goals against average, save percentage, shutout. I mean, I don't know. You're probably going to get more wins. But Ottawa, they, they suck now also. Like, I don't even know how many wins you're getting from Craig Anderson. Like, right. Markstrom, like, and, like, Cooper's actually pretty decent. I feel like it, you're probably looking like it, Luongo uh, is going to start every game he plays. And then you're going to decide, like, if you fall behind in save percentage or goals against average, only then would you consider playing Anderson or Markstrom, I think, because you're not only going to you're, – you're not really getting to – to a good shot at grabbing a win um, with either of those goalies. So I feel like you're asking who to fill in in games, in weeks where you need to help bump up your stats. And I feel like Anderson playing more gives you the best shot. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's it's hot. It's hard. This is, these are the tar- hard parts in the season. Like there was earlier in the year when Varlamov was so brutal and people probably would have been like Markstrom or Varlamov. And like the right answer was Varlamov. And like 
know, maybe for next year, Markstrom's the answer. If Vancouver is smart, like as soon as you see that Vancouver decides that they're going to play Markstrom more of the time, I would rather have him than Anderson, I think. And if like Miller gets injured again, then I would definitely make that swap but right now. I think I just stick with who you have. I know it's hard. Okay. That was more than 30 seconds. Uh, Michael Marsh, yay or nay on Hoodler. Oh, this is at left wing lock. All right. But not the website. <laughs> just the guy who that's also his nickname. And Hoodler. I like Hoodler. Like, obviously, he's not going to be a 70. We talked about him just last episode. Like, he's not going to be a 70 point guy. But back on the top line, back on the top power play, as long as he's there, I think he's going to produce. And I think it's as simple as that. Like, I think another one of these guys who I would expect a 60 point pace rest of the year as long as he's playing with Gojo and Monahan on even strength and power play. Yeah, I'm into I'm into Hoodler. I was into him. Like, I picked him up as a free agent when someone else lost patience, and I held on to him over – I think there were a couple guys, anyway, that we were – you were telling me to drop him, and I just thought if, if things can get going for the Flames, period. Again, like, we had this chat with Monaghan. Uh, so I'm into I'm – into, I'm a yay for Hoodler, of course. Like, it depends a lot on who else is available and who's on your roster – um, but for now, me yay. Yay, Hoodler. All right. And with that, I guess we're ending the show on Hoodler. So thanks, everyone, for joining us here on the podcast. This has been so much fun. I don't see any numbers, but oh, we do have numbers. Oh, is this 133 people here or 22? There's a people at 133 and eyes 22. So whatever that means on Blab, we'll figure that out for next time. But thanks, everyone. I'm going to assume it's like 130 people here. How about that? This has been so much fun. Elon, before you close it out, you you can't like ignore that there are two questions left in the queue after after insisting on clearing it. So quickly, Dave asks, is Raquel worth owning if he's not on the top power play? I'm going to give you a no. I'm going to be like he's going to follow in the footsteps of every uh, Anaheim winger who has been in that spot, uh, you know, for in that spot on the top line. Uh, although, you know, like looking at his numbers, he's actually been doing pretty well. So maybe I should bite my tongue on this one. I still like, I think he's a barely like bottom roster guy. Like you're looking at 45, 50 point pace from him the rest of the way. Uh, if that's fantasy relevant for your roster, then, uh, then yeah, own him. Yeah. You have to give us a comparison here, Raquel versus someone. I don't see any more questions, by the way. I guess, like, I don't know. Blab still has to work okay, that out. I'm Dave, only seeing Dave's question about me. dogs and pants. Okay, okay, yeah, well, that's the that's the last one. I, I, that's I the last don't one? know. Uh, yeah. Well, Elon, you okay, have I'm a dog. Close the show. If you bought your dog pants, would you expect the dog to wear them on two legs or four legs? I would do four legs, I think. Good question. Okay. Now we have to – okay, Dave – after like bringing us down with that question, you at least have to come on and, and hum our outro music. So please call in to do that while you're getting that taken care of. I want to thank everyone for joining. I want to thank everyone for listening. Definitely, this is one of those episodes where I really mean it. Tweet at us. Let us know how you liked this episode. We really need to decide whether we're going to do this. I want to know both from people who are here and from people who listen to this, expecting a regular episode of Keeping Carlson. I, I know also the date isn't uh, when we would normally get it. And of course, we're not going to do it. This is this week's episode. So we'll be back at you next week because I'm actually away this weekend. But I want to know if you liked this episode. Brian and I, we had a great time. And... Uh, we're going to hopefully we're going to do more things on blab for sure. We just want to know how much more we should do. So let us know. Obviously, if you like the show and you haven't done it yet, give us a five-star review on iTunes. That would be amazing. Uh, patrons. If you want to become a patron, keepingcarlson.com slash patron. You could do, you could join these shows once a month, maybe twice. If we get up to a thousand dollars a month, we're, we're hovering there. We could maybe get there this season. 
But with that, let's cue that outro music. And Brian, read us the credits. All right. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast is researched with help from Dauber Hockey. Oh, patrons, presented by Dauber Hockey. Researched with Dauber Apocalytics, Roto World, ESPN, Fantasy Hockey. I think I need them all. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll talk to you next Sunday. Keep on keeping Carlson. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Dave and George. Good night, everybody.